the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Yesterday, I brought up the concept of should you use a certified public accountant or not, and I said basically it comes down to how complicated your taxes are. If you make less than 66000 the IRS will do them for you with their free file. Um, if you are a single guy with a cat and you rent an apartment, you could probably do it yourself with software. If you're married and uh, filing joint, you could probably do it together with software unless it starts getting complicated. Complicated could be a second home. It could be a vacation property. It could be a business outside the... Well, it could be a business inside the state, business outside the state. That's where it starts getting complicated. Uh, investment income, things along those lines. Today I want to talk ever so briefly about the concept of should you itemize or not. And this is one of those things that, again, you could save a lot of money. Taking the standard deduction or itemizing can be a huge difference. And I hate saying this out loud because my friends at the IRS uh, will probably cringe. And I do have some friends at the IRS. You've heard me interview Rafael Tolino on this show numerous times. Uh, but about 7 in 10 people, oh, wait, wait, I was going to say was that um, I think it feels to me like taxes are sometimes um, uh, not magical, but you can do them once and you can do them a second time and get a different answer. Uh, it's not science for sure. It's not hard math. So about 7 in 10 people opt for the standard deduction when they file their tax returns. For the tax year 2016, that means electing for a filed tax break of about $12,600 if you're married and filing jointly, or 6300 of individual. So there's a couple common areas where itemizing may unlock additional savings if you pay a high local tax rate. So states like California, Oregon, and Minnesota. Um, if you earn a decent paycheck there, state income taxes range north of 9%. might be worth itemizing. If you own a home, home ownership brings a lot of potential deductions. A 30-year fixed mortgage you know, can pull in $20,000 of interest payments across the first year of the loan. Uh, easy. If you make a big contribution, 
uh, since charitable donations are tax deductible. Uh, if you've got any item valued at more than five thousand dollars appraised to qualify for the deduction, but the extra paperwork is is it's it's worth the effort. So not the small you know charitable donations, but the big ones. If you have big medical bills, totally worth itemizing. Uh, there's high thresholds to cross for medical deductions. Uh, for 2016, if your out-of-pocket medical expenses hit or exceed 10% of your adjusted gross income, uh, ding, 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 you qualify for itemizing versus taking the standard. If you're an older American, you can deduct expenses above 7.5%. Now, again, this is one of the reasons I don't do taxes on the show, because here's where it's all the devil's in the detail. So, and I don't know you, and I don't know your situation. You may go home and go, Rob Black said we should itemize. We had high expenses. Uh, there's expenses for educators. Uh, you can get up to $250 in tax breaks if you use your own money on classes. Uh, there's moving expenses if you moved more than 50 miles for a new job. Uh, there's student loan interest. So, it's worth considering. A couple of things I want to hit, and I guess I should hit the markets ever so briefly. It's the markets are higher. Uh, NASDAQ and Dow have both hit record territory. Um, that's worthy of note. Not worthy to get, woohoo, jump up and down and party. Party! Um, but, you know, it's nice. I'm not going to lie to you. It's better than a stick in the eye for sure. Um, so the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the Dow have hit all-time highs. And again, for those people who buy radio commercials or who do seminars and television commercials and television and seminars, like the Wall Street's getting ready to burst. Your retirement bubble's going to go down the drain, 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 drain. Um, yeah, good thing people didn't listen to you because we're at all-time highs. And we've been at all-time highs with the Republican presidents. We've been at all-time high with the Democrat presidents, with the Republican Congresses, the Democrat Congresses. We've been high uh, record highs with high oil, low oil, high interest rates, low interest rates. Uh, we've been at, through record highs with World War One, World War Two, North uh, uh, Korea, Vietnam, uh, you know, Ukraine War, the Gulf War One, Gulf War Two. Uh, the market's seen everything, and I, the people are like. Trump says we're in a bubble. Now we're even more of a bubble. Now's the time to come to me and, and do real estate transactions with me because I'm beautiful. And if you do a transaction with me, you'll be beautiful. And we'll be beautiful together. It creeps me out. I'm telling you, it creeps me out. What bad advice. And man, if I were a regulator, I would crack down on those people hardcore. Uh, selling fear. So with absolutely nothing uh, but commissions and fees driving their greed. So uh, be careful out there. So all-time highs. So And all-time highs through terrorism, through many, many, many things. Um, let's bring in that phone caller. Let's see who we have. Rick in San Jose. Rick. Hey, Rob. Uh, this is Rick. I've been a long-time listener, and I really enjoy your show. I wanted to know your thoughts about uh, is there a buying opportunity with the Amazon stock at this time? Sure. And if you've listened to the show, I've kind of had the same thing that I've said for years, and thanks for the call. 
Amazon is a long-term buy, but Amazon is the craziest stock that you'll buy. Um, it's not for everyone. It's highly volatile. I think it's a product that I'll, I'll use on the day that I die. I could find, if I only own 10 stocks, and you could say I want a portfolio of 10 or a portfolio of 20, whatever, it could be my craziest stock. I want you to consider Amazon, Netflix, Google, Facebook um, as your growth players. Then I want you to consider things like maybe a Disney, a Nike, um, a Verizon or AT&T as like your income players that have a little bit of growth, maybe. Um, so let me, let me restate. Let me start over. I think you can own Amazon, Netflix, Google, Facebook as the growth players. I think you should have an, a list. I think then you could have a, a list of kind of growth and income. Growth and income may be companies um, like a Disney, a Nike, um, maybe a, I don't know, maybe like when a Chevron or an Exxon and oil falls apart, you pick those up to get the income, but you'll get some growth back as the oil will probably go from 40 to $100 a barrel, back down to 40 back up to 100 is the thought. Um, then you want some income stocks like an AT&T or Verizon. I own AT&T, I own Disney, I own Nike, I own Apple. I own all these stocks in the S&P 500. Do I like um, Amazon at these prices? No. Do I think I'm going to be using Amazon the day I die? Yes. Out of all the stocks that I've mentioned in this segment, I would rather buy every single one of them before I bought Amazon due to valuation. But I don't necessarily buy due to valuation. Sometimes I buy on buying opportunity. Is it at a 52-week high? Is it 5% off a 52-week high, 10% off a 52-week high? How much does it ever go off its 52-week high? And all these stocks can have different ideas. So do I see Amazon in business in 10, 15, 20 years? I do. I think what they've, what they've done is, is going to be tough to replicate. But it's not your only stock and it's certainly if you buy it now, I think you buy it in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I think you buy it in 10 months, 20 months, 30 months. I think it's something you accumulate. I hope that makes sense. Drop me an email if you want more information, rob at robblackshow.com. Our event this Thursday has sold out. Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. It's that time of the year where you should be checking your paycheck. I know, I know, I know, I know. Are you getting less money in your paycheck than you should? A lot of workers opt for receiving their check. Um, direct deposit these days. And sometimes they don't know if they're getting the right amount or wrong amount. Every year, tax laws change. Payroll departments rely on software programs to keep things current. Sometimes they can switch things up. Um, so take a look at your pay stubs on occasion. So... Um, it's not entirely, you know, crazy to see, you know, sometimes uh, some of the codings are like FED, FIT, FITW. 
SSSOC, SEC, OAS, DI, and you're like, what does all of this mean? And do you have a good person in your, you know, computer department, HR department, who codes all that stuff correctly, especially if you're in a smaller company? So, with all that out there, um, I'm Rob Black, uh, your host, trying to get you to retirement. Hopefully, I do a good enough job that when you get retirement, you have some options um, <clears throat> that work in your favor. Gives you a little bit of opportunity. Um, seeing the all three major averages open higher today. It's interesting. Uh, a lot going on in the news, right? You're seeing Betty, Betsy DeVos being pushed as uh, Secretary of Education and a lot of America's outrage, saying she's unqualified, and I'm, I'll be honest, let's start with just a fact. Do you think our public schools are great? And uh, I could ask 100 parents, and I'll tell you 100 parents will say no. Do you think they're pretty good? And some will say yes. Do you think they're good? Some will say yes. Do you think they could improve? A lot would say they could improve. So I'm not freaked out by change. I may not like it. I may not vote for it. Uh, I may not support it. But when I look at the Secretary of Education, I look at the United States, and I remember growing up watching Little House on the Prairie and seeing the schoolhouse where the teacher came in and taught the kids. I think our school system could become a little more 21st century, and I think it does, um, sometimes without us even knowing it. Um, I know some of the background work at you know the California teachers. Um, it's very progressive, but I, I think we can always look for ways to improve. Take a look at you know the financial markets, uh, the good old days of the stockbroker, where it used to cost you four hundred dollars to buy and sell a stock, and he'd get you know one hundred and fifty, and his bosses would get two fifty, and they'd buy you a hundred shares of Intel or something along those lines, and you'd be basically get two or three more trades per year, and you'd be like, well, that's my two thousand dollars in fees, um, and now trading's basically free, um, or da- darn near it if you shop around. So I'm not afraid of change for change is what I'm trying to say. I know a lot of people are, and I know a lot of people kind of have to feel like, you know, this is a black and white issue. When I say black and white, I'm not talking about color of people. I'm saying it's a one circle versus another circle. And I believe a lot in Venn diagrams of the truth is somewhere in the middle sometimes. Um, and also I believe that, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, the Trump administration, uh, she's probably the weakest candidate, or she, I'm not going to say she's the weakest nominee, but uh, I think there's some nominees that they don't mind if they get sacrificed, and they get say, well, look, you know, you killed that one, you're not going to kill this one. Uh, so sometimes be careful what you wish for. For the record, uh, there's something called a devil's advocate, who's someone who can play both sides of the fence, and that's very much so how I see myself in the world. Um Seeing that I can't sway stuff, I'm kind of fifth business, I'm behind the, the scenes, I'm in the background, I'm not a main character. I can just try to help flesh things out. So, taking a look at some of the top stories out there today, there, there isn't a top story, in my opinion. I think the Betsy DeVos thing, I think the... Um, White House bringing up terrorism that happened or didn't get covered is kind of silly because it seems to be deflecting from immigration. Could it be that simple? Sure. Uh, Hourly workers for General Motors, they're going to get record bonus checks up to $12,000 after the company reported booming sales in North America as consumers flock to high-profit trucks, crossovers, and pickup trucks. So the profit 
sharing checks owed GM's 52,000 UAW workers represented a pretty simple formula. They get $1,000 for each billion in annual pre-tax profit. So comes up $12 billion in profit equals $12,000. That's up from $11 billion last year. Seems kind of a silly way to get a bonus, doesn't it? If we make a billion dollars, you get a thousand. Okay. Google's providing funding right now to fight Trump's immigration ban, and I think this is awesome. And again, playing devil's advocate, um, I think getting involved in politics, I'm seeing a record number of women deciding to run for uh, office, and I think that's a great thing. And Google's you know, providing funding to fight Trump's immigration ban. I think getting involved in the political process... Uh, whether you're angry or you're for it or against it, uh, I think it's a good thing. You know, learning how many people are on the, I, I figured this out the other day on the Supreme Court. Uh, if the person being nominated, uh, it gets put in, gets confirmed, he'll probably be there the day I die or I'll be there the day he dies and we'll be pretty close to each other because we're pretty close in age. And I've never been able to say that and have that perspective of, whoa, uh, but Supreme Court, typically, I always look at as kind of old people. And I'm starting to get older. He's going to be the youngest person. But you get the idea. Um, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, Tesla, and around 100 other companies have signed legal documents opposing President Trump. But it looks like um, the people who are coordinating the funding is Google. So the Mountain View companies reportedly working with Washington, D.C. law firm Mayor Brown on a brief um, Google has set up a $4 million fund for its own support of its immigrants uh, from Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. And uh, they're throwing down other monies into uh, a bigger group of tech companies, and employees are throwing down money as well. Um, there's even some people at Google who are saying, let's not fly for the next couple of months and cost the U.S. economy a billion plus. And it's funny how that does work. You know, it it's quickly adds up. Tyson Foods, when I was growing up, I used to watch a commercial uh, a guy named Frank Perdue, and it, the, the tagline was, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. Um, now I just think it takes a whole bunch of antibiotics and hormones. But Tyson Foods, the largest producer of meat in the United States, um, they've disclosed an SEC probe tied towards the pricing of chicken, chicken pricing. I know you're like, really? So Tyson sells a range of frozen and fresh chicken and other meat products, including bacon. Um, they have moved to dismiss lawsuits on price fixing. So they own 20 other chicken producers, Cook Farms, Pilgrim's Pride, Purdue Farms, Anderson Farms. Um, so it, it's pretty interesting that, yes, there's price fixing that still goes on out there. And you would think we're past that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can find me at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, the event for Thursday in Berkeley has sold out. There's a new event in Los Gatos posted. Entry code for free is reti- uh, Radio 25. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. 
516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money invested in more. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you today, sir? Hi, Rob. I'm doing well, thanks. It's nice to be with you again. (laughs) We're getting pounded with rain here. How about you out in Chicago? Yeah, uh, we saw some of that this morning. I'm sure it's not quite the same same front, but (laughs) we had our share of rain this morning as well. Our rain is coming your way, the rain you got from us uh, a couple days ago. But um, hopefully it doesn't get too cold there. Let's talk about the markets. Uh, we're holding up pretty well a couple weeks into the presidency. Uh, very contested, very opinionated uh, president. Uh, how do you feel where we are with all things falling into place? That I don't know. I, I guess I'll let you talk. Uh, how do you feel where we are? Yeah, well, you know... I look at it obviously from from the market's perspective, uh, and while there's certainly a lot of a noise in the echo chamber about how President Trump is running things and his mannerisms and whatnot, um, you know, frankly, the stock market's behaving as if it it kind of is just dismissing it all. Um, you know, we're and I say that knowing that the S and P 500 is three points away from an all-time high. You know, nine out of 11 S&P 500 sectors are, are up year-to-date. Um, you've got pretty decent leadership out of some of those uh, economically sensitive areas that you would want to see lead, um, you know, such as the industrials, the materials, um, you know, the, the core financial and technology sectors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the Russell 2000, while it's trailing somewhat this year, it is still up. You know, 1.1% year to date following a, you know, roughly 14% gain <laughs> over the last six weeks or so of 2016. So, um, so I certainly can appreciate many of the concerns that are out there as they relate to how the president is handling matters. Um, I, you know, have to extrapolate from looking at how the market is behaving that the market thus far continues to look at the, uh, economic outlook more or less with a glasses-half-full perspective as it continues to cling to this belief that while the process to getting to these pro-growth tax reform and infrastructure spending policies might be a little bit ugly, it's still buying the idea that they're actually going to happen. Yeah, I was thinking a little bit about that the other day on when do they happen is going to be a big question. Tax breaks, um, repatriation of cash, Obamacare changes that might make it more pro-growthy. And I thought, you know, no matter what, it's a lot of this is going to happen because he's going to start putting in the regulators that he wants in. And if they decide to say, you know, Dodd-Frank doesn't get overturned, well, the regulators don't have to enforce Dodd-Frank. And same thing with EPA. They don't have to enforce oil infractions. So it seems like there's some pro-growthiness that's going to happen regardless, even if things don't happen in a timetable that the stock market wants them to happen. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's that's very fair, Rob. Um, you know, I, I had this discussion with a colleague yesterday, in fact, and that uh, the the point is is that um, the the timing is in question, right? So it's a matter of when this happens, but there's still this buy-in to the notion that something will happen that's going to be pro-growth, right? So right. Uh, the market has 
been stifled somewhat by the realization that, um, you know, it's the tax reform that it wants to happen, you know, fast and furiously isn't going to happen fast and furiously. Um, you know, Speaker Ryan had said, look, they're not even going to take up the discussion really until the spring, which means that by the time anything ultimately gets agreed to, you know, you're in the, the back half of the year. Um, but but the narrative continues to move in favor of pro-growth policies being enacted. And so, um, so when you have a market that's sort of, you know, that's trading with a stretch valuation right now, you know, it's been waiting for the the flow through into stronger earnings growth and stronger economic growth to basically validate that that high valuation, and and that might be pushed off a bit more so than it previously expected. Um, but it, again, it continues to cling to this belief that you're going to get policies that help drive stronger rates of earnings growth, stronger rates of economic growth, and therefore I think you kind of see this market, you know, continue to hold up, notwithstanding some of the the, the nerve-wracking <laughs> headlines that uh, that come about from time to time out of the White House, um, and uh, and particularly as they relate to some of the uh, issues surrounding global trade. Now, back to your page one. It's an article that I start every day. It's pre-open analysis. I think it's terribly well-written. Your grammar's top-notch, uh, so someone taught you well in life. One area that jumps out to me is the dollar strength um, tied towards uh, reports that Philadelphia Fed President Harker said he wouldn't rule out a March rate hike. Uh, that's going to be an important thing this year. I, maybe one of the top three important issues this year is rate hikes. How many of them are there? And how did the markets react to it? What's your opinion on a March rate hike? Well, uh, you know, I I would concur that I think the Federal Reserve has has the scope and the rationale to raise rates in March. Um, but I'm not the market, <laughs> so the, the Fed Funds futures market uh, thinks there's virtually almost no chance that you're going to see a rate hike in March. I think it's pricing in about a nine percent probability of a rate hike in March. And that would be really problematic, obviously, uh, if the Federal Open Market Committee uh, quite literally surprised the market with a rate hike in March. So um, I think you're probably going to hear more out of these Fed officials trying to at least getting the market to uh, uh, open itself up to the idea that you know rate that March is is still a live meeting. And but you know after the employment report on Friday, uh, the market. Is, probably still isn't going to buy buy that idea, um, and you know it might help bump up the probability for a rate hike in March. But unless you get some really surprisingly strong uh, economic data and particularly inflation data in the next you know four weeks here, the market is just going to be dismissive. I think of any warnings about a potential rate hike in March, and will continue to um, you know maintain its its thinking that the Federal Reserve uh, might be lucky to raise rates twice this year, uh, even though the Fed's projections you know, point to the potential for three rate hikes by the end of the year. Which is kind of interesting, um, because again, I'd say where interest rates are, it's very conducive to growth, and a lot of people are missing that story, that we're still in a very low interest rate environment, so there's so much powder in the keg, so to speak. Um, it should be a pretty good year unless, well, unless something goes crazy like it typically can and will do on occasion, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, I think 
just wanted to add a you know an aside on what I just said though too, Rob. It's you know I think what Friday's reaction on the employment report showed is that uh, you know the Federal Reserve is not as inconsequential as has it's been made out to be now with a lot of the focus on fiscal actions that could be coming. Um, and what I mean by that is that uh, the market really responded favorably to this notion that because you had some soft wage growth in January, that that means that the Fed is unlikely to raise rates in March. And so from that standpoint, the Federal Reserve and its monetary policy does remain a key source of support here for the equity market as it continues to wait for some sort of policy action out of Washington that would get that fiscal driver in place. Um, so, so that was an important development, I think, uh, in my mind, uh, that you know, suggests that the Fed put is still intact, uh, but it's really the, the Trump put uh, that is still overriding things for the time being as the market continues to cling to this hope and this belief uh, that you will eventually get to the, to the pro-growth road that the Trump administration has been promising. Speaking with the one and the only Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, I've asked all the questions so far. What do you want to add? What do you want to throw in as far as insight that we haven't hit? Well, you know, I'm looking, uh, obviously, at this time of year more closely at what's going on on the earnings front. Uh, the fourth quarter reporting period um, has been a bit better than expected, um, perhaps not as strong as expected, uh, all things equal. Um, usually see uh, the earnings growth rate pick up by 2 to 3 percentage points from the initial estimate going into the reporting period, and right now it's about 1.5 percentage points above that uh, estimate, according to FactSet. Um, and companies in general are, are sounding somewhat hopeful, but still are reluctant to kind of, you know, really kick in with some aggressive growth guidance because, like the rest of us, they're unclear here as to what's going to unfold uh, on the policy front. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I don't think that there's been anything in the earnings reporting season that would disrupt this um, this notion that you uh, should see uh, much stronger earnings growth in 2017, even though um, guidance is still a little bit, you know, arguably on the conservative side at the moment. One of the things I saw out there today was tied towards GM, and you put it in your page one column about their beating expectations. I saw that they gave employees a bonus of $1,000 for each billion that they pulled in, so they got $12,000 bonus versus last year's 11000 on $11 billion. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, little Odd little perk to the job, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and of course, it's going to, you know, I think it's somewhat, you know, supportive for your for an employee base anyway when they realize they have a stake in, you know, seeing the company be successful. And so when you get something translated uh, that hits home in your wallet like that, um, you probably have workers that, that work harder and aim to be more productive because it's ultimately going to come back and, and benefit them. Thank you very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him at Briefing.com, a great source of information that's unbiased um, on a political front, um, national, international stock news, great source, Briefing.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm really okay with change is something I've learned. I remember back when Barack Obama got elected, a lot of people were freaked out by the color of his skin. I'm like, I'm okay with that. Let's see what he does. When Hillary Clinton was the apparent front runner, I'm like, I'm okay with a woman. Let's, let's see what she does. Um, I'm okay with change. A lot of people freak out about change. Um, there's some areas I don't like change, but in politics, I don't care. I don't. It doesn't bother me. It, um, but I think if, <laughs> if you move where my pillow is at, at night, I'm like, where's my pillow? I need to get a bed. Um, oh, I was just washing it or something. I'm like, don't ever wash it. Don't. People don't like change. Uh, people are really up in arms. And I look at what's happening on Wall Street right now, and there's so many reasons to be positive. Of course, what you need to do at that point in time is find the reasons to potentially be negative. I'm fully invested right now. Markets are at all-time highs. Uh, when I start seeing things like Republicans vote against Trump agenda items or Trump appointees, when you start seeing enough people break rank so that the Republicans don't have a majority, that's going to be one of my flags. When I see oil get to $70, $75 a barrel, that's going to be one of my flags. Or if I see oil go to $40, $38 a barrel, that's going to be a flag. Uh, when I see the Fed it raise interest rates and say we're going to raise them again, that'll be a flag. But we're not there yet. And there's other flags, of course, and hopefully you have this as well. Housing demand may keep the market afloat even if rates rise. Um, and again, you know, do I think housing's out of control? Yes. Do I think um, it costs too much to buy a house in most markets? Yes. Do I think it's um, fair? No. Is it good for renters? No. Is it good for the social uh, part of the fabric? No. Uh, but housing could continue to uh, move higher just on you know, the demand issues. So keep that in mind. Let's bring in Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. Uh, you can meet him at the event. Um, I would never, ever, never consider marrying someone if I didn't see their credit report first. I've heard way too many stories of people shocked and surprised um, after the fact. They didn't realize that, oh, she's got $72,000 of student loans. I think people are wising up a little bit on that um, okay. as far as like your, your, your mate's credit score. I, I, we ran a – there was a stat that was on uh, – on yesterday about a single millennium millennial 19 to 35 had a credit score average of 727 but a, a millennial couple had a credit score of 740 average so i think that we're seeing you know better credit scores matching up to better credit scores so maybe that becomes part of your profile you know you go on online dating maybe you put in hey my credit score is 780 <laughs> i might try that on tinder <laughs> Credit score of, what's the highest, 850? Yeah. So I'll put a like credit score 825. I'll put down 32 out of 32 teeth. <laughs> what, what else makes an attractive mate these days? Don't even put a picture or put a picture of like Urkel. <laughs> you know, and uh, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say is I don't know. I'm dead sexy. I am dead sexy. Thanks for reminding me. So um, mortgage rates and action. Um it's one of the, the more interesting parts about uh, um, the home buying process, the home refinancing process. I get excited by super lower rates. But you know what also I like about this whole Brexit thing and the whole Federal Reserve is probably not going to do anything until 2017, 2018 is it gives people more time 
to get take advantage of that low mortgage rate because to me that low mortgage rate means much much more than the price of a house. I tell people don't worry about the price of a stock. Look at Facebook as a company you would want to own. Then look at the stock price. Same thing I, I I could say with it's the almost the opposite of of homeownership. Well, when brought, rates are low, whoa. Well, you, you brought up a really good point that it gives people more time. Uh, 2017 and 18 are supposed to be the peak of equity lines, what they call recasting. Uh, so there was an era back 2006, 2007, 2008 where where equity lines were being pushed heavily. Well, the people who've kept those equity lines and haven't refinanced them or haven't paid them off, those are recasting. So if you've paid interest only or even your normal payments, it still recasts after that. 10-year period, and then it becomes a balloon at 20 years. So it gives, and that's just one circumstance in which somebody can take advantage of lower interest rates, um, hoping that they've never, you know, they haven't gone up. Plus, the people who have had some sort of what we call housing events, foreclosures, short sales, bankruptcies, those have long wait periods, especially foreclosures of seven years. So now, and, and you know, of course, when they the first time they call to, to refinance or buy a house, they say, well, you have to wait seven years or four more years. Now that four years is, is almost up. And, you know, rates are still low. So there are a lot of people that are excited that they can still finance in a low rate. So it does buy more time for a lot of people. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Facebook's going through a $500 million, well, they lost a $500 million lawsuit. It's the largest social media platform on earth. They got 2 billion people who use it, just over 25% of the world's population, which is crazy. And they did a uh, big acquisition of the Oculus Virtual Reality in 2014. Um, and it turns out that maybe some of the code inside of the Oculus was taken and borrowed from a former employee from Zenimax. Uh, what's interesting to note about this, it's $500 million. It's probably going to be appealed. You get the idea. But it was John Carmack. He's the guy who is... You know, at the center of the suit, who's a Facebook employee, um, the whole Oculus Rift headset. But he's the guy who, you know, helped founded Ed Software and Doom, and uh, a lot of those virtual reality type games where it was on a screen, but you still kind of felt you were on that spaceship or whatever it was. Anyhow, how much money do you need for retirement? We're doing an event Thursday in. Berkeley, California from 11 to 1, but it's sold out. So this tells you in the future you need to sign up early. The next event is going to be, and again, we'll be there Thursday from 11 to 1 in Berkeley. But the next event's going to be in Los Gatos, and it's the same idea. How much do you need to fund in retirement? You can sign up for the event in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. It's Thursday, uh, March 9th from, 7 p- uh, from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. You can sign up for it at... Uh, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. The code is RADIO25. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.